0: Hi there, I'm Monica Packer, and you're listening to About Progress, where we are about progress made practical. I went down an internet wormhole recently, and it was spurred on by a reel I saw that shared the stats of what the lineup is of how women and men get paid for doing the same job. So working moms were dead last, women without children were just a step up, and a step above that were men without kids, and the highest on the list was was working dads. And I'm not one to take a single reel and make it gospel truth. So I then went down the internet wormhole of the latest research to verify it. And yes, those stats were indeed true. They actually call this the motherhood penalty. As I read through the research, I kept thinking of my friend and financial educator, Lisa Shader. She loves to teach about personal finance, which is definitely a topic that makes me feel both very inadequate and anxious. But Lisa loves her work, especially because of who she is helping. She often mentions that women especially need to be more involved with their household's finances. And why is that? It's because they are the most financially vulnerable. This is worldwide, by the way. So after I did that little wormhole, I decided it's time for me to face my own fears, and I asked Lisa to come on the show to share the three biggest financial mistakes she sees women like me and you making, and more importantly, how to fix them. If this topic similarly fills you with dread, I want to encourage you to listen still. Lisa's knowledge is deep, but doable. And I left the conversation feeling personally empowered and hopeful, and I know you will too. Lisa Shader is a financial coach and the creator of Money Fit Moms. Her mission is to teach women how simple it can be to automate their investing so they can enjoy financial freedom and even retire early. Lisa is a mom of three and was on my show very early on to share about her experience with extreme postpartum depression. It's an honor to have her back and totally in her element. We'll get to that interview right after the break. Isn't it the best when a simple piece of advice can change so much? You know this podcast is all about progress made practical, and guess what? We are celebrating our seventh anniversary coming up in November. To honor both this anniversary and the Do Something Focus this podcast has inspired, we want you to host your own Tricks and Treats night. I shared a short episode on this, go back to episode 524, but here's a nutshell on how this works. You invite a few friends to your home for some treats, and while you eat them, have each guest share a simple trick that has made a big difference in their life, from parenting to marriage, from personal development to cleaning. It's all about doable, practical ways we found ourselves making more progress. To make this gathering easier for you, you can get a Ready for you but still customizable invitation, an email and text template that you can send to your friends, and even an outline to follow the night of. You can find those free resources at about progress.com slash tricks and treats. You can host this gathering anytime, but to get in on the collective fun, we suggest hosting sometime in October, hence the fun name. And when you do, don't forget to contact me through email or Instagram to share about your favorite tricks from the night. I'm so glad to be celebrating this anniversary in a unique way, community-wide. Again, for all the support you need to host a Tricks and Treats gathering, go to aboutprogress.com slash tricksandtreats. Lisa Shader, welcome back to About Progress. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled. I want to start by finding out from you a little bit of your own history. If budgeting and money and finances was that something that you, as a little kid, were really interested in and good at?
1: So I definitely think it was in my DNA, my my heritage, my family growing up of just being frugal, and I think that was mostly out of necessity. And so I was, I think, naturally frugal. I always loved math and numbers. I think when I became that person who couldn't stop talking about personal finance and specifically investing wasn't until college. So I actually, I got my degrees in accounting. My master's had an emphasis in tax, but that is not necessarily related to personal finance. But I had colleagues in the tax accounting world who struggled with personal Financial choices. And that's when I realized this was not common sense. But I had one huge advantage, and that was that my husband and I had taken a personal finance class that was just an elective. It wasn't even part of our coursework, and we were able to take it together. And it was taught by a professor who had worked in investing. And once you learn about the power of compound interest, compound interest is one of the greatest miracles in the world. And people who know it and understand it also cannot stop talking about it. And so I did like a competition where you're supposed to teach about something and it could have been about anything. And I chose to talk about the power of compound interest and investing because the miracle happens in decades. It's not like a get rich quick thing, but I could not stop talking about it. That's why I started that first blog was because most of the mom blogs around money were about couponing and frugality, which are but they are not miraculous. You know what I mean? That's not yeah. this crazy thing. And I have to say when I talk about money, because a lot of people have this hang up around kind of a negative connotation about if you talk about building wealth or net worth, it is not about money. Money is a tool. Your greatest resource is actually your time. So when I talk about wow. building wealth, I'm talking about the power to mm-hmm. have your time back to spend more time with your loved ones, to make the world a better place. And so I just always like to provide that context because a lot of people are just like, oh no, you know I mean? Some people get it, but some people are kind of raised to have this, this kind of puritanical view of money and wealth and just realize it's just a tool and it's the yeah. best tool to buy back our most important thing, which is our time.
0: I'm so glad you said that right off the bat. And also how you talked about another kind of, I guess, feeling we can have about money is that. Ugh, feeling like that means I need to coupon and budget. And, and while that all can be part of it, it's about like pinching pennies. For you, it's about so much more. It's about the long-term vision of what financial freedom can do, especially for women. And so before we really dig in, I wanted to know that too. Why does it matter to you that women in particular get good at finances and not just pin- the penny pinching, but beyond that?
1: Yes, absolutely. So women specifically, Moms who I know, I mean, not all of your audience are moms, but I know a lot of them are the most financially vulnerable population in the world mm-hmm. because our income earning potential is affected by having children. Because we're often, whether or not we're the primary caregivers, you still are balancing how, you know, whether you're outsourcing childcare, it's always a difficulty at the same time. We're the ones most affected by the outcome of finances. So I just posted about this the other day that. 80% of women will be single when they die, which sounds really dark. Uh, the truth is that women outlive their spouses. So whether or not they get married or divorce statistically, you're going to outlive. And more, the average is 12 and a half years. So it's not for a short time. It's for a long time. That is a long and time. so even though women are more likely to be involved in the daily money management, such as budgeting and purchasing decisions, They are less likely to feel confident about these long-term, big-picture finances, which honestly have such a bigger impact on your financial well-being, and yet we're the ones who are going to be living with the consequences Hmm. of that for a long time. And so my excitement is because it's just these little things, and it almost feels like secrets, but because it's just not in common knowledge, that can make or break your long-term financial well-being. And I'm just so interested in getting that information into the hands of people who are going to be the ones who are going to have to live with it. Once you learn the basics, it will change your life hmm. um, significantly and impact your health and well-being and stress I, It's absolutely yeah. life-changing. And you can see how fired up about it I get because it's just this thing that can be so life-changing when you
0: learn the basics. It's almost like you should call yourself a financial educator and counselor because... The the two go hand in hand. I mean, just the effect it can have on women, the toll of, of of stress that finance can have on the day-to-day lives, but also in the trajectory of their life. And what I wanted to talk about were some of these basic slash common sense things that you believe everyone, especially women, should know and be doing about finances. So we're actually gonna start with the mistakes though. What are the three big mistakes that most women are making when it comes to finances
1: yes yeah and even the word mistake i have a very shame free view of finances i love to reframe that we've all done the best we can with what we have and so i like to see these as opportunities for improvements some missed opportunities one of the best analogies i like for retirement is the oregon trail because i don't know about you i played that game oh in school and right, you have to, you had to leave at a certain time, otherwise winter hit. And that's kind of how it is for retirement is you got to get on, get going and get going at a certain pace to be able to hit these milestones and timing and get that retirement. And so for me, these mistakes or miss opportunity are like, you don't even know, there's actually this supercharge button on your wagon or your accident or whatever you're using on the Oregon
0: Trail, your car
1: to Love that. just make it so much easier And so this is not to like induce shame of, oh, no, you're doing it wrong. It's like, hey, guess what? This thing can get so much better. So mistake number one is budgeting, but not tracking net worth. And that's not to disparage budgeting. It's great. But tracking your net worth is a game changer. Mistake number two is thinking investing has to be complicated. And some people just even shut down their brain as soon as they hear the word investing, because if you don't have a lot of familiarity, it's just, feel like this thing that you don't do and never will do, but I'm telling you, it actually can be incredibly simple. And mistake three is not knowing your long-term financial plan. A lot of people know their budget on a monthly basis, or they know kind of their budget on a yearly basis, but they're not necessarily having that long-term, lifelong financial plan. So I would say those are the three most common, easily remedied mistakes or missed opportunities.
0: back to mistake number one, because I'm one of those people when someone says net or gross and like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have to ask my husband's an accountant. So every time I'm like, what's net and what's gross? What am I meaning? Every time. So when you say their net worth, what do you mean?
1: Yes. Yes, you're right. So net has to do with you're totaling something up and you're subtracting something. So your net worth is the total value of your asset. What you own, so your house, if you own it, that would be the value of it if you sold it. All of your cash accounts, all of your investment and retirement accounts, anything you own minus your debt or what you owe. So if you have a mortgage, if you have any, I only put on credit cards if they are not paid off every month, basically any unpaid debt. So if you have car loan, student loan, any kind of you know home equity loan, any kind of debt subtracted that. So what you own, your assets, minus what you owe, your debt, equals your net worth. Okay. To be clear, I love budgeting. I do budget. I love it. It's a great way to make sure you live within your means, which is a key part of building wealth. But only looking at your cash accounts, I was trying to think of analogy. Imagine going to Disneyland and never leaving Main Street. Mm-hmm. Can you have a good time? Yes. But you are missing on the bigger picture. If you are doing finance well and you're building this long-term net worth, is Cash should be only a small part of your finances. So if you're only looking at your cash, you are not going to be doing the things that actually build worth, which is avoiding or paying off high interest debt and especially investing. A lot of times people are not motivated to invest because it, the cash leaves their account. And if you're not tracking all of your, those other their accounts, it falls off the face of the earth. And it doesn't feel like that exciting. But if you're only going to do one, track your net worth. I've worked with people who, they were paying off debt. And honestly, budgeting was just not something they did. And all we did was spend five minutes just updating their account balances. So um, if people don't know how to do this, I have a free challenge and this is the first challenge you do. You can do it in a spreadsheet. There's tools that you can integrate all this instantly. So it really doesn't take a lot of time. But we went through and de- updated all their account balances and their cash balances stayed relatively the same when they were uh, paying off debt. But because they were tracked, their net worth was going up thousands every month and they became debt-free mm-hmm. in a matter of months because once you figure out what you're doing it's amazing how much faster you can move and then you're and then they would see these moments where you know their 401k balance would go up and they say oh that doesn't count we didn't actually contribute any to it exactly like you are you're you're putting mm-hmm. your money places where it is growing on its own and no longer putting in places where it's holding you back so I've I've seen people say tracking your net worth changed the trajectory of their finances in such a huge way, because it just basically zooms you out to see the whole picture of building the net worth.
0: Okay, that's fascinating to me. So it's almost a mindset shift, right? It's changing your relationship with money and also your future. So that way you are spending it in ways that are more aligned with the bigger picture than just seeing things in the smaller picture. Is that right?
1: Yes. Cash is really only meant to be for relatively short-term needs. And yes, like you absolutely should have an emergency fund. And that's why that's part of my money for challenge. It basically takes you through step by step. There's two more categories. People who are struggling, right? To spend less than they earn. And we work with that. And maybe there's nothing left over for investing. But another very common group I work with are the cash hoarders who love, you know, and they start to make more and it's great and they can't stop hoarding cash and investing terrifies them. But actually the ironic part is, they want to keep the cash because it helps them feel financially stable, but because of inflation and the missed opportunity of not investing is actually way more dangerous because that cash is losing value every year to inflation and investing wow. helps you outpace that. So just helping to re- like, yes, cash is great up to a certain point and then it starts to hold you back. So then once you see the bigger picture, you see, okay, it's not gone, right? There's huge fluctuations in the short term, but over the long term, investing is the key too get you where you want to be, whether it's retiring on time or retiring early, um, It's it has to enter the equation and you have to get beyond that cash hoarding
0: mindset. And also beating inflation because your money has grown to match where money has inflated to, which is fascinating. OK, so let's review mistake number one, budgeting but not tracking your net worth. And how do we fix it?
1: Spend five minutes a month tracking your net worth
0: five minutes. Is that how long it takes? Because yeah. to me, when you said that, I was it like literally it like goes. 20 minutes a month. Or Yes. No.
1: And actually the first time you do it, it will take longer because the other reason why I have people do it is it's an information gathering exercise because okay. a lot of people don't even know all the accounts they have. Right. They have an yeah. old 401k. They kind of forgot about it. And this is an exercise that reminds them like, oh, I have that. Should I roll that over to an IRA? They don't have the logins. They have no idea what the balance is. And so the first time we do it, it does take longer because it's rounding up the accounts and the logins. I send out a tool that just links everything so you can track it really easily. But yeah, yeah, it's literally five
0: minutes once you round up the list. Awesome. Let's go on to mistake number two, thinking investing has to be complicated raising my hand that is very intimidating to me so what can they do if they're in that place of I can see where you're coming from I know you're right but oh my gosh I'm just like this if they're me I'm speaking about myself I'm just an English teacher I'm not good with numbers I won't know how to judge the stock market
1: yes yeah so I will tell you investing is Mm -hmm. one of those magical areas where the lazy method is actually better. And let me tell you what I mean. Imagine if the reality was the best way to clean your house is to do nothing, right? How great would that be? Or, it, yes. or in order to run a marathon, all you had to do was calculate when you want to run the marathon by and then figure out how many miles you wanted to do each each week to get there and then do nothing. You didn't actually have to run. Like that's finance is one of these magical places where, because of technology, you literally can set it up, automate it, and forget it. I would say set it and forget it because it was the tagline from one of my favorite infomercials when
0: I was a kid. It's amazing. So, this is I mean it's an by infomercial. It. But yes. That was but you and me on Friday nights, Lisa. So, yes. Oh, my continue. gosh.
1: So, this is what I mean. So, a lot of people, when they think of investing, they think of picking hot stocks and timing the stock market which is what's called active investing. And statistically, the studies show that active investing underperforms passive investing, which is buying things like index funds, and if you don't know what that is, I will tell you, um, and holding them for decades. And think of the best analogy, and this is from someone called Jack Bogle, who created the index fund. He basically said, rather than trying to pick out needles in a haystack, buy the whole haystack. So what an index fund is, is right when you think of investing, you're thinking Apple, Amazon, Target, right? You're thinking of companies. Hmm. So what came about, it used to be that you had to buy individual stocks because it was actually a physical paper and you were giving them actual money and you kept a paper in a um, safe deposit box. That's not the reality anymore, right? So back in the like 1920s, they came up with mutual funds. But then the hot thing was the, like, the hot mutual fund manager who was outperforming all the other mutual funds. So Jack Bogle was an undergrad at Princeton, and he had a theory that paying these managers was actually holding back the returns. And so he created an index fund. All an index means is it's just all of the group of something. So like a index of a U.S. equity means it has all the equities or an S&P 500 index. It's the top 500 stocks, right? If you do a U.S. right, S&P 500, it has all of them. So that's what it means by the haystack. So rather than paying someone to go and pick out the needles, it's way cheaper to just take the whole haystack. And so he did a study and he was right, meaning Sometimes people would outperform when they were actively managing it, but over time, because the fees reduced the return, it actually underperformed over time, Hmm. meaning the vast majority of the time you were better off not paying someone to pick out the things and just buying all the things and make sure it's low fee. And people are paying like 1% or more up to 5% of their money just for the ability to buy these special actively traded funds and the fee on an index fund is 0.05%, not 5%, like not even 0.1%, like a fraction of 0.1%. And so maybe that's something you didn't know. And that's like probably the most technical thing I'll talk about, but I just want people to know, like investing is not picking hot stocks and it's not trying to time the market. What I say all the time is it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market because the miracle of compound interest happens in decades and that's why i don't want people to sit on this because now even though life's crazy with kids or life now is the time to start that clock because the miracle of compound interest happens around decade two three four and if you're thinking i have less decades than that to retirement you actually need growth in retirement like during retirement too sure. so it's never too late to start benefiting buy this, but I just want people to get over just that little bit of intimidation factor, thinking they can't invest unless they can pick stocks or time to market. You don't want to do either. You can if that drills you,
0: but actually active investors, like I said, typically
1: underperform.
0: Okay, just buy the haystack. So mistake number two, haystack. let's recap this. Thinking investing has to be complicated. And your fix was
1: learn about low fee index funds and ETFs. It's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. Set right. it and forget it.
0: Much more coming up right after the break. I consider myself lucky because I was influenced at, I think, 25 years old by some friends who were already using eye cream. And since they were really into skincare already, I decided to take their advice. And I am thanking them now because now at 37 years old, I can tell you that my eyes look decent, but there are some things that are creeping up more, some age spots, more fine lines. And I was really excited by this episode's sponsor, One Skin. I got their stuff about a month and a half ago, and I have been using it religiously ever since morning and night. I wish I had taken a before picture because I can tell you my eyes look better. What I love about OneSkin is they were founded by a team of four female PhD level longevity scientists with over 15 years of experiencing the study of biology of aging. So more than it just being about moisturizing or like having nice smells or even some vitamins, they made sure that their products are backed by science. They actually tested thousands of peptides and they discovered OS-1. The OS-1 peptide is scientifically proven to target aged, also known as senescent cells, the main source of skin aging. And it actually reduces the biological age of skin by several years. I've been using their OS-1 face. It's face lotion. I've been using that morning and night as well as their eye cream that has the same peptide. I don't want you to take my word for it though. So go to their website and check out the thousands of reviews like I did, including real pictures of women across all ages. I love that they're not filtered and they clearly haven't had other procedures, but you can still see the improvement in their skin. OneSkin is for everyone that wants to prevent or reverse the signs of aging with a groundbreaking approach. OneSkin addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root causes of aging so skin behaves, feels, and appears younger. It's time for you to experience a new skin health routine at a discounted rate today. Get 15% off with the code PROGRESS at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code progress we only have one body one skin and only you can choose to make it better age healthy with one skin mistake number three you said this was not knowing your long-term financial plan tell us more
1: yes so the a long-term financial plan can include all of things technically this would include your asset protection things like making sure you have long-term um life insurance on your breadwinner. So that's why I built my free challenge because it covers all those little things. But the most important thing to know about your long-term financial plan is how are you going to buy the most expensive thing you will ever buy? And people's mind instantly goes to house. House is the most expensive thing you're ever going to buy. That's not true. The most expensive thing you will ever buy, anyone will ever buy is your financial independence, also known as retirement. And that's a big thing. It's called the FIRE community. Financial independence, retire early. Whether or not you want to retire early doesn't matter. Whether you just want to retire on time, you still need to understand this concept that retirement has almost nothing to do with age and just everything to do with reaching this point. I call it financial independence mountain, where once you reach the top is when you have enough investments to live off of your investment income alone. So you're not dependent on the income from your job to pay for your expenses. Retiring is optional. If you love your job, it still feels really great to know I'm doing this because I want to, not because I have to. And the pace you want to do that is totally up to you, right? But understanding this concept of the sooner you start moving up that mountain and absolutely take your time, enjoy the vistas. This is not about spending as little as possible. I just took two trips to Europe this year and felt zero financial guilt about it because What we did is we built our long-term financial plan. So if you're only going to figure out one thing, it's calculating and automating your monthly retirement contributions. Because like I said, there's a lot of parts, but that is the most expensive, most important part. And like I said, this is why financial goals are the easiest thing you can do is because you can basically make it like any other bill where it automatically comes out of your account each month. And what that does is it helps you feel so good about spending because they've already taken care of it. Uh, the analogy I use that's used for a lot of things is, right, the rocks, the pebbles and the sand. And if you try to fit them in the jar, the sand first, the sand being like the funds, like, oh, we spend and we buy the things, the, you know, the kids activities and the Halloween decorations and the home decor and the, the pebbles are the bills. And then the rocks are our big long term financial goals. And if we try to do it in the wrong order, you know, it's like, oh, I'll do, a, you know, I'll save more for retirement if there's any money left over. And the number is. But if you figure out this big, most important goal, put that in first, then, you know, you make sure that you have enough to cover your bills and then you just know what's left over and you can spend it. I call it joyful spending, right? When you can yeah. reframe knowing that it's still on track for your long term financial goals. It feels so much better because you all those big things are taken care of. So and absolutely, you should spend on those things. Even though investments compound, so do memories. So that's a big thing is realizing, yes, like I want you to do this. Not so you're stressed about money. So the exact opposite. So you know those things are taken care of and you can take the trips and the things, the things that make your life easier, the things that help you build memories with your kids. Because the sooner you do those things, the more time you have to enjoy those memories. And because time is our most precious resource, it hits differently when you know money you're spending is not going to deter your long-term financial journey.
0: That sounds like a big stress relief right there. And when you say automate your monthly retirement contribution, you're talking about like Roth IRAs, right? And then within those Roth IRAs, we go back to number two. That's when you invest in low fee index funds and ETS. Have I got this right in my head? Yes. Yeah. So once again, this is education,
1: not advice, but that is a perfect example of something you would do when you automate it. So a lot of people, they do the most amount of their investing in their employer funds because like the 401k because it's automatically withdrawn from their paycheck okay and then i try to get people to see if that is not limited to 401k you can do the same with a roth ira is ira stands for individual retirement account it's something that's outside of your work so you can contribute to it if you have earned income or if you are the primary caregiver there's an exception there's an annual limit and that's when we start to get into these things and that's why i create content every day because i okay. give you know, I make a fun video to help people realize this stuff. But yeah, so that's a perfect example. But yes, so you figure out how much you can contribute, whether you're working with your tax professional or just researching on your own, you automate that. So it comes out as like a bill, like anything else. thing. So it'll automatically contribute. And then I have it auto buy, let's say an index fund that I want. And just automatically it will buy the investments that I want. It will just buy more of that investment. And if this intimidates you, there's so many options. There's robo-advisors that are also low fee that will help you buy the investments if that is the part that wigs you out. But there's so many options.
0: Okay, this is fantastic. I want to just emphasize that we have had the fire hose experience here, but still in such a way that is digestible. So if they're loving this, they're going to love way more. Checking out your Instagram feed where we just take, you just take one little piece And you teach it in a way that makes it make so much sense. Like you've so over delivered today. Thank you. I know you also have a challenge and I want to take this challenge. So can you tell us what it is? Yeah, absolutely. I apologize. I get so fired up for the people. I'm a fire hoster when it comes to personal development. So I get it. No, I know.
1: So, yeah, if I said anything that you didn't get, that's what I say. I'm like, you don't need to remember anything. You didn't need to take nothing. So this is why I created my free money challenge. It's an email challenge you can sign up for. It's free and it takes you through one challenge at a time. Uh, you're not doing all this on day one. So challenge number one is that that top tip I recommended of calculate your net worth. And every challenge has videos and just step-by-step explanations, like when I was listing out the types of assets and liabilities. So it's literally just one small challenge. A lot of people, if they're working with a partner, do it together. If they've had a hard time historically, discussing money. at a hot topic. This can be a great way to facilitate those discussions. But I promise every challenge is assuming you're starting from zero. You don't know anything about finance or investing. It's just slowly walking you through each challenge. If you have questions, you can reply to the email and it will email me. So this is definitely a passion project for me. So the point is just to help people work through these basic financial tasks
0: tell us though where they need to go to sign up for the challenge we'll put it in the show notes but in case they're one of those people that like to hear it and then go search for it themselves
1: yes you can go to my website moneyfitmoms.com or any of the social media is moneyfitmoms on instagram facebook tiktok twitter friends yeah any social media i'm there yeah as moneyfitmoms and then if you go to my links it's the free money challenge
0: So I have two more things. First, I want one simple way they can get started on what we learned today. What would that be?
1: Yes. So if you're only going to do one thing, even if you're not going to join a challenge, it would be calculate your net worth. Okay. Because it's going to do two things. It's going to be that information, awareness, gaining exercise to figure out where are your things. And you will get so much out of that Of if you're, let's say, you're the primary caregiver and your spouse is working to say, hey, what are we contributing here for? Okay, what's the balance? How do we log into it? Figuring out how to gain access to all of that. And it will help you zoom out and see the bigger picture. So it's not always bad news. Um, you can just figure out where you are. And it's a great challenge.
0: I really am doing this, just so you know. Okay, now I did not prepare you for this. So this is like, just came to me. I would love to do just a rapid fire session of you answering questions. What is your favorite tool for budgeting?
1: I love YNAB you need a budget YNAB stands for it's an acronym for you need a budget it's not free if you already have a budgeting tool or system that works that you love that's awesome if it's not broke don't fix it because YNAB is not easy but I will say I've done them all and YNAB is significantly better because it's beyond budgeting it's more about cash management which is really what budgeting is um but if you've done it before and given up on it, give it one more shot. If it just doesn't work for you, great. It's I think ninety nine dollars a year, but it's because number one, they're not selling your data; they're not trying to sell you anything like pretty wow. much all the other like free budgeting Didn't tools are. No, that um, yeah. But also, they provide support. Meaning, if you can't get something to work, which I, I have a master's in accounting, but when I was getting it set up, I had to contact customer support. And they can work you through it or you say, with your permission, they can go in and fix anything that you're not sure about. So it's, you're paying for a service. But I, anyone I know who has gone to YNAB and taken you know a few months to get situated can't go back to any other budgeting software, okay. in my experience. But like I said, Sweet if you're happy that. with what you're using, great. Stick with it and feel great about it. Okay. Favorite tool for investing? The investment firm I like is Vanguard. So Vanguard was founded by Jack Vogel, the one who invented the index fund. There are several, though, that have low fee index funds. Um, Fidelity is one of them. Schwab is another one. I like Vanguard. Fidelity is more, I think, user friendly, especially for new investors. Vanguard is improving every day. Vanguard has the highest rated robo-investor. That's the lowest cost once you hit a certain asset value. So that's why I like Vanguard is because you can take this little management quiz on their site to say, hey, what level of management do you think you need? And it has, from what I've compared, the lowest fee options for management. Just make sure you know what you're paying in fees and you feel great about how much you're paying in fees.
0: Okay. Um, what is your favorite way to spend money personally? Travel travel
1: is a hundred percent my favorite way to spend money. I don't care about home decor if you can see this on video. Looks great. Everything is probably like Facebook marketplace or on super sale, but I think I'll have 13 trips this year. I did Paris, I did England and the Cotswolds. I'm going to New Orleans. I just I went to Disneyland with my oldest son. We take turns taking our kids on like one-on-one trips. So experience over things for me all day, every day.
0: Brilliant. And last one, what's your favorite thing you're saving your money for?
1: We just finished our kitchen remodel. So that was the big savings goal. I'm, like I said, less into home decor, but my husband has become our primary chef and he really wanted to do that. So my ask was we had to be on track for early retirement and we had to save because I didn't want to finance a remodel. So we just finished that. And beyond that, it's just Once again, trips. Trips. I think the next home renovation, I think we're going to do like a hot tub or something in our backyard. But I told my husband, he's not allowed to even say the word backyard until it's been at least a year of no renovation because, you know, kitchen is a big one. So that's our excitement.
0: Love that. Well, thanks for being willing to do that unexpected series of questions. But I'm fascinated by your answer and everything you've taught us today not only has been so helpful, but also hopeful which I personally needed this is an area in my life that I'm very intimidated by so thank you Lisa and I hope people will join the challenge we'll make sure to link to that as well as your Instagram and anywhere else they want to go I appreciate you and your friendship and your time thank you so much awesome work hey I, I know I had to raise my hand why not I I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants you need to grow. I'll now share the progress pointers. These are the notes I took so you don't have to, and those on my newsletter, get them in a graphic form each week. You can sign up at aboutprogress.com slash newsletter, and I'm sure you're going to really want these. So if you sign up now and the time has already passed where we have sent them, you can reply to the email that you get each week, the newsletter, and just say, hey, Monica, can I have the progress pointers from the episode with Lisa? And we will absolutely send those to you. Number one, money is a tool, but your greatest resource is time. Number two, three financial mistakes women make are one, budgeting, but not tracking your net worth. Two, thinking investing has to be complicated. And three, not knowing your long-term financial plan. Number three, how to fix those mistakes. One, take five minutes a month to track your net worth, your assets minus your debt. Two, investing helps your money grow via compound interest while beating inflation. The laziest method is actually the best method. Learn about passive investing. Set it and forget it with index funds, ETFs, and low fees. And three, plan ahead for how you'll buy the most expensive thing you'll ever buy, your financial independence, in other words, your retirement. Calculate and automate your retirement contributions like 401ks, Roth IRAs, etc. Your do something challenge for this week is to calculate your net worth. I am going to be doing this as well. So once you do that, I would love to hear what it brings up for you. You can email me, you can DM me. And by the way, my email is hello at aboutprogress.com. I love to pull from the people who complete the challenges and do Progressor spotlights a few times a month in our Thursday episodes. Before I sign off today, I want to remind you about the Tricks and Treats gathering and how you can have a free packet to help you do that gathering, especially sometime in October, because I would love to hear from you about the night and a trick that people brought up that you think the rest of the community needs to know about. And we're going to prepare a full episode in honor of our seventh anniversary with all those tricks. You can find that at aboutprogress.com slash tricks and treats. I can't wait. Thank you so much for listening. Now go and do something with what you learned today. Okay, so let's review. Mistake number one: budgeting but not tracking your net worth, and how to fix it. What would you spend five minutes? Let me spend five. Oh, pardon. Sorry, that was me. So, how do we fix it?